Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me and leave everything. And he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Well, beloved, one of the blessings of, of being raised in the church is, is listening to and learning the songs of the church. And, and, and many of the songs that the saints would, would sing have had a lasting impact upon uh, my life in many ways, and I'm sure that others would probably say the same. Now, these songs and these memories often serve, they often serve me and perhaps serve you too as reminders of God's faithfulness. They become kind of triggers in my life of God's encouragement. They are often reflective of God's testimony of God's grace and mercy in my life. Now, I say this admitting that you don't always remember what the preacher preached. Most sermons barely last a week in your memory, and many don't even last a day. Amen. But you remember the songs the saints would sing. You remember the, the faces and the voices of who would sing them and the emotion and the joy of the Lord and being filled with the Spirit. For those raised in the church, these songs are evidences of God's grace, His indelible grace upon our lives. For me, it was songs like, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I didn't like that song when we sang it, and I think I didn't like it mainly due because there was an older lady in our church named Mrs. Smith, and when we would sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus, she would sing it so loud, and she would sing it in kind of this, this operatic voice, what a friend we have in Jesus. I remember that as clear as yesterday. And I would just sit there like, could somebody please choose another song? And then one day, I found myself needing to play. And all I could remember was Mrs. Smith saying, what a friend we have in Jesus. And how she sang that song. But sometimes I reflect on my own salvation and how the Lord called me and how the Lord saved me. 
And I'm often reminded of the men's chorus in our little church and how they would sing, I cannot tell just how you felt when Jesus took your sins away. But since that day, yes, since that hour, God has been real, for I can feel his holy power. I'm sure that many of us have songs like these that give us a sense of God's presence and power and even purpose in our lives. In fact, I like to imagine this morning that, yes, God is real. Yes, God is real. Might have been the testimony of Levi. Should he have opportunity to speak with us this morning? That he might say, I cannot tell just how you felt the day that Jesus washed your sins away. But since that day, that day I met Jesus, ever since that very hour, God has been real. So I can feel his saving power. we continue in our lessons on Jesus and those he came to save, we are again in Luke chapter 5. And in Luke chapter 5, as we saw at the beginning of chapter 5, you see now as chapter 5 continues, that Jesus is putting his band together. That he is gathering his disciples. And earlier in the chapter, we saw, if you look back at the beginning of the chapter, we, you could see the ways and means in which he had already called Peter and Andrew, which he had already called James and John. He had called them, and they were fishermen. They were everyday common men of simple and humble means. And as Jesus was going about his ministry, it would seem that these would be the type of men that he would call. These would be the ones that Jesus would choose, the, the unassuming, the unknown, the fishermen, the carpenters, maybe even a few shepherds. But then we come to verse 27. And we see Jesus was writing a different story. A different story because Jesus is determined, in, at verse 27, he is determined to add another flock, another follower to his flock. And this, beloved, was no, this was no fisherman. This was no carpenter. This was no shepherd. In fact, this was a different disciple altogether. This was 
a tax collector. He works for the IRS. Do we have any IRS workers in here this morning? You probably wouldn't want nobody to know that. It's important to understand that the Jews at this time were under the oppression of the Roman state. And Rome taxed them heavily. Taxed everything. Everything they did and everywhere they went, it was taxed. And in order to collect all these taxes, what the Romans did is that the, the Romans hired other Jews to collect taxes from the Jews. And these tax collectors, as they were called, would have to give to Rome the revenue that Rome required. But then, beloved, anything that the tax collector collected over and above what the Roman state required, the tax collector was able to keep. Anything over and above, was his to keep. And as you can imagine, this was a dirty business. This was a dirty business. And tax collectors were not well liked. They were considered to be traitors. They were considered to be thieves. They were abusers of power. They preyed on their own people. They further oppressed the oppressed and took advantage of the disadvantaged. They were considered the lowest of the lowest. And although, and although they were often quite wealthy, Their money was considered what the Bible calls in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2, filthy lucre. I've always been wanting to say that. That's the old King James Version. What in the world is lucre? Filthy lucre. And in fact, When dealing with an unrepentant person, and if this person refuses to listen to godly counsel and to the church, in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 17, Jesus said that he or she is to be treated like a tax collector. That's Jesus talking. Now, that person is to be treated like a tax collector. Now, that is a pretty strong indictment, beloved, on tax collectors. And no one likes paying taxes. 
Not even presidents. <laughs> no one liked them. And therefore, people, people avoided them. People avoided them. People shunned them. They were not accepted in society. Nobody willingly invited them to social gatherings. No one invited a conversation with one or spoke freely with one. When you, when you saw one, you would go the other way. It's like when I first moved to Georgia, they used to have roadblocks. Some of y'all don't remember, most of y'all don't remember that, but they used to have roadblocks where the police would just be set up in the street checking if you had expired licenses and things. Just, and, and when you saw it, you had to make a decision. <laughs> were you going to continue on or were you going to try to somehow turn and get out of the way of the roadblock? Now, why are you laughing? I just went through the roadblock. What did you do? When they saw the booths, people tried to avoid them, turn their head, go the other way. But not Jesus. That's not what Jesus does. That's not what grace does, beloved. Grace doesn't avoid. Grace doesn't turn the other way. Grace seeks and saves. Grace doesn't ignore. This, this, this here, beloved, this encounter with Levi is a poignant example to his disciples and to us this morning of the nature of God's saving grace of his grace and of Jesus and those Jesus came to save. It's important to understand something this morning, that the Bible is clear. Okay? The Bible is clear in Romans chapter 3 and verse 11 that no one, no one seeks after God. No one. No one seeks after God. In fact, on the contrary, the Bible reminds us that it's God who seeks after us. This is the promise of the good shepherd in Ezekiel chapter 34 and, and verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. This, in fact, is the testimony. This is the testimony of Jesus himself in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, where he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Beloved, this is the method of Jesus. This is the operation of grace. This is what happened to Levi. This is what happened to you. This is what happened to me. You know, all those who are saved in and by and through Christ this morning. This is you. This is me. For like Levi, 
We are chosen by grace. We are called by grace. And we are changed by grace. We are chosen by grace. We are called by grace. And we are changed by grace. Chosen, chosen by grace. Levi was chosen by grace because he was chosen by Jesus. Like Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, in verse 8, Levi found grace in the sight of God. But more accurately than that, beloved, listen, more accurately than Levi finding grace, grace found him. Grace found him. In verse 27 of Luke chapter 5, the Bible says that Jesus saw Levi. Jesus saw Levi. Now listen, listen. Jesus didn't just happen to see Levi. He didn't just happen and suddenly catch him out the corner of his eye. Jesus wasn't going about doing something else and suddenly looked up and said, wow, look at Levi. Who is that? No, beloved. Jesus didn't just happen to see Levi. Jesus went looking for Levi. Went looking for him. Jesus chose to go by the way of Levi's tax booth. Why? Because, beloved, Levi wasn't seeking Jesus. Jesus was seeking Levi. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 20. I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Levi did not ask for Jesus. Levi wasn't looking for Jesus or looking for grace. But that's okay. That's okay. Because Jesus and grace came looking for him. Why is that? Because, beloved, grace is first. The grace of God comes first. That's what the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. God chose us when? Before God did anything else in this world, he chose you for grace by grace. And it is by grace that Jesus comes our way. It's by his goodness and his favor that he chooses to stop by our booths. In John chapter 15, Verse 16, 
Jesus tells his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I imagine that when he said that, and Levi heard that, he said, yes, sir. Amen, Jesus. Amen. Now, I want you to meditate on that this morning. That the Lord came and chose you. That the Lord sought you. That the Lord set his love and affection upon you. And I want that to be a comfort and a joy to you this morning. He chose you. And unlike us, God doesn't regret his choices. He doesn't regret his choices. Jesus doesn't make mistakes. If you are a Christian this morning, then Jesus has made you his choice, and he is happy with it. He is happy about it. Why aren't you? Songwriter says, I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew he moved my soul to seek him, seeking me. It was not I that found, O oh, Savior, true. No, I was found of thee. Chosen, chosen by grace. But not just chosen by grace, beloved, then he was called, called, called by grace. Jesus didn't just see Levi at the booth. Notice, he didn't just go by the tax booth that day. But Jesus called out to Levi and said, follow me, follow me. Now, beloved, there is a call that goes out to all the world this morning. It is a call to believe in Jesus. It is a call to come to faith in Jesus. It is a call that goes to everyone in this world without distinction. To every man, woman, boy, and girl, the call is the same Come believe in Jesus. And you hear it in Jesus' own words in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 where he says, Come to me, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to Jesus. This is, a, this is an invitation. This is a wonderful invitation. It is a clear invitation. It is a clear call that goes to every man, woman, boy, and girl. But unfortunately, beloved, not everyone answers this call. Not everyone comes. Not everyone believes. Not everyone rests. Not everyone follows. But then there is another call. It is the call of grace. 
That is not general, beloved, but it is specific. It is a call that comes with a name on it. Isaiah chapter 43 and 1, God says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. It is that call. It is that call that Jesus gave to Peter. It is that call that Jesus gave to Andrew. It is that call that Jesus gave to James and John. It is that call that Jesus gave to Levi when he called Levi, follow me. It's what the Bible has in mind. Romans chapter 8 and verse 30 where it says that those whom God predestined, he also called. Paused. It is a gracious call. It is a gracious call. Levi did not earn this call. Levi did not ask for this call. That Jesus would look into his heart and call his name that, that Jesus would give evidence that he somehow knows Levi. And he doesn't just know Levi, he knows him by name, and he wants Levi in his service. This is the grace of God. This is the grace of God, beloved. This is not Jesus needing Levi. This is Levi needing Jesus. This, this is your call into Christ this morning. This is your salvation. This is your redemption. He didn't, earn, he didn't earn this call. He didn't deserve this call. He didn't call on Jesus first, and then Jesus called on him. No, beloved. It was all, all, all. By the grace of Christ, he called Levi. He called him by name. And by doing so, it was not just a gracious call. It is an effective call. I mean, this call works. This call gets the job done. Do you understand? And leaving everything, the Bible says in verse 28, right? Luke 5. Leaving everything, he rose and followed Jesus. Leaving everything, he rose and followed Jesus. Ask yourself the question, was there any other option? Was there any other option? Of course not. This is God calling. This is the voice he had never heard before. This is the touch that he had never felt before. These are the words that changed everything because these are the words of God. God spoke. You know what happens when God speaks, beloved? God said in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11, so it's my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, 
but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Why did Jesus tell Levi to follow him? Because Jesus wanted Levi to follow him. And what was Levi going to do? Was Levi going to say no? Was Abraham going to tell God no? Was Moses going to tell God no? Was David going to tell God no? Was Isaiah going to tell God no? Was Jeremiah? Well, in fact, Jeremiah tried to tell God no. In Jeremiah 20 and verse 9, he said, I tried to tell him no, but it was like fire shut up in my bones. I couldn't say no. What option did Levi have? What option did I have, beloved? When I heard him call, that was all, the the poet says. When I heard him call, come follow, that was all, that was all. My gold grew dim, my soul went after him, I rose and followed, that was all. Who will not follow if you hear him call? All who hear that call, they come. They follow. And it changes everything. You're changed by grace. It changes everything. The grace of God doesn't just save you and me. It changes you and me. Look at Levi. Look at Levi. The Bible says he left everything. Now, beloved, I'm not sure what everything means here, but usually everything means everything. He left everything. In other words, what defined Levi before would not define him anymore. What was his priority of life before would not be his priority anymore. Jesus comes, calls, and when he calls, everything changes. Everything changes. You thought you were going left. Now you're going right. You thought you were going up. Jesus comes and takes you down. You thought you were going down. Jesus comes and lifts you up. He left everything. He left the table. He left the money. But more important than all that, beloved, forget the table, forget the money. He left the guilt. He left the shame. When I got saved, I had a collection of music. Man, it was a nice collection of music. <laughs> had this huge jazz collection. I mean, it was, it was nice. You know, I had some Stanley Jordan. Woo, man. When I got saved, man, I just got rid of everything. I got rid of all that good jazz music. To this day, that is a huge regret in my life. <laughs> You idiot. When Jesus said everything, he didn't mean that. 
He didn't say no Stanley Jordan, no Stanley Clark. Leave all the guilt. Leave all the shame. Leave all the condemnation. Leave off what other people thought you were. Leave it. Leave off how people talked about you. Leave it. Leave off the names they called you. Leave it. I got a new one. Leave it. That's what Paul said. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 and 8. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them as garbage that I may gain Christ. Levi, leave it all. Leave it all. Leave it all. The sadness, the sorrow, the sin, leave it all. Come and exchange it for my joy, for my acceptance, for my presence. That's what the songwriter said. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which I long have sought since Jesus came into my heart. He changes everything. He changes everything. In exchange of sorrow and the sin and the sadness for the joy of the Lord. And you see that with Levi. You see that with Levi. Now listen, beloved. You don't invite Jesus into your heart until Jesus has invited you into his. You don't invite Jesus into your life until Jesus has invited you into his. I can say that because that's Levi. Once Jesus called him, once Jesus said, follow me, once Jesus had invited Levi to come into Jesus' life, what does Levi do? He invites Jesus to come into his. That's what grace does. That's what grace does. That's what grace does. Grace of God not only pardons, Eugene Peterson says, but it also empowers. It empowers you. It opens your eyes. It opens your hearts. It reminds you that everything you have is for the service and the purpose of glorifying Jesus. Come, Jesus, come. Let me show you what I have. It's all at your exposal. This is what Levi does. This is what Levi does. See what it says in verse 29? Levi made for Jesus a great feast at his house. He left the tables 
started following Jesus and said, Jesus, here, come follow me home. I'm going to make a great feast for you. Why? Because salvation always leads to service. Always does. Always does. And Levi made a feast. He knows he made it. Levi made it. Made it where? In his own house. In his own house. But not just for him and Jesus. See, he invited probably everybody he knew. Because he probably didn't know too many. <laughs> he invited everybody he knew. He invited a large company of tax collectors and others. He invited those he knew. The tax collector didn't have many friends outside of other tax collectors. But that's okay. That's okay, beloved. That's okay. Because when Jesus called him, Jesus wasn't expecting him to invite the rabbis and the priests. Jesus wasn't expecting him to invite the, the, the school teacher, the Sunday school teacher, or the preacher. He invited the other family. The other family across the street. He invited, as you can see, he invited the unfamily. He invited the unwanted. He invited the unworthy. He invited the undesirable. He invited the untouchable. He invited the unclean. He invited the ungodly to come and sup with Jesus. And when they got there, beloved, there is no doubt in my mind, when they got there, they were wondering, why have we come over to your place, Levi? And Levi looks and says, I want to let you know that if Jesus can save me, he can save anybody. If he can change me, he can change anybody. That's what, that's what, that's what, that's what Sister Bash used to say. I was growing up as a young boy. That's what she used to say. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. You know who weren't invited, beloved? The Pharisees weren't invited. But they were cured, so they came anyway. Because they were nosy. Because they were judgmental busybodies. They came anyway. And looking upon the gathering, the Bible says in Luke chapter 5 and verse 30 that the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples. Speaking to his disciples, they asked Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why do you drink with tax collector and all these others? They asked the disciples, but Jesus answered. And there's two, there's a couple of reasons, beloved. There's a couple of reasons why Jesus and his disciples would eat with and drink with tax collectors and sinners. And the first one is, is that if Jesus didn't eat with sinners, then he wouldn't have anybody to eat with. If he didn't drink with sinners, he would be drinking alone. And y'all not drink alone. 
You ought not drink alone. Amen? Amen? Amen. But also, beloved, Jesus knows who he is eating with. He ate with sinners knowing that they were sinners. Listen to me this morning. Jesus ate with sinners knowing that they were sinners. And every time that Jesus sits down to the meal, he eats with sinners knowing that they are sinners. Your sin is not a surprise to Jesus. Listen to me this morning. Your sin is not a surprise to Jesus. Your sin does not cause him to get up from the table with you. It's amazing to me how many people think that they come on the Lord's day and don't partake of the Lord's table because they think for some reason that they are too great a sinner this week. As if Jesus, as if, as if they come to the table and suddenly Jesus is going to get up and walk away. Your sin doesn't surprise Jesus. He's at the table expecting sinners to come. He's at the table expecting to serve and to save sinners. Oh, beloved, I pray, I pray you don't sit there in your self-righteousness and believe you have no claim to come because the fact of the matter is you don't. But Jesus says, come anyway. Come, come. He knew who you were before he sat down. And guess what, beloved? He sat down anyway. Why? Because he says in verse 31, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous. I don't expect to come and sit at the table with the righteous. I come expecting to sit at the table with sinners who need to be saved. With sinners who come to repent. This is the text of this morning that reminds us of who Jesus is and why he came. It's not so much about Matthew not so much about Levi, but it's about Jesus. It's about whom he saves. It's about how he saves. It's about why he saves. Who are those he saves? He saves sinners, those who know themselves to be in need of physician, those who know themselves to be sick, those who know their sin and, and acknowledge the fact that they need a savior. Those who know they are broken. Those who know they need healing. 
those who know themselves to be weak, those who know they have failed, that's who he came to save. Not the self-righteous. Not those who think more highly of themselves than they are. Not those who think they're better than others. But those who know they're not. Those who acknowledge their need. Those who call on Jesus. This is about whom he saves. This is about how he saves. He saves by grace. Chosen by grace. Called by grace. Changed by grace. All of it according to the grace and the goodness and the mercy of God. Everything that you are and everything that you have you have because Christ is good because he came and stopped by your booth called your name and has come to fellowship with you in your house your home your heart and it's all his grace it's all his grace this is about whom he saves. This is about how he saves. This is about why he saves. Why does he save? He saves for his own glory. Because only he can save. <laughs> Levi didn't have any other hope. You and I don't have any other hope. There is no other way. Only he is righteous. Only he is good. Only he can save. That's why it was so important for James and John and Peter and Andrew to see this. You called Levi a tax collector? Are we now supposed to walk in fellowship with him? Are we now supposed to sup with him? Jesus would spend the rest of his time with his disciples teaching them. That at the cross, all ground is level. That we all stand in need of a Savior. And that his call of grace upon you is just as effective and loving as his call of grace is upon me. This is why he saves. For his glory. Because only he can. Because only he will. Because only he is good. And only he is righteous. Whom he saves. How he saves. Why he saves. By the grace, the goodness, and the mercy of God. Let's pray.